Happy Tag Tuesday. How are you? You know, I'm assuming because it's the day after Christmas, I'm going to be great. <laughs> I'm Ann Police. Oh, and I'm Denise Cooper. We are Two Average Girls. We're glad you're joining us. I think our Christmas uh, joyous season got a little bit overwhelming for us did it it did it, it's, it's we didn't remember who we were i know we've had we've had to start this podcast several times <laughs> just now but we're recording before christmas for it to air after christmas so i'm gonna presume christmas was amazing it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be great it's always amazing i hope you had a great christmas with all the babies it will be great yeah you had all the kids that were in town no one left town nope no good everyone's here everyone's here it's all good good because kids are the funnest the little, most fun. Little kids are super fun. Well, even my big kid's fun. Is he? It's fun. It's fun to buy for him. Yeah, it is. And now we're buying <clears throat> for, I don't know if I've announced this on the pod, but my son is getting married. He is. To our social media producer. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Samantha. Samantha. Oh my gosh. Samantha Mary Stone. I'm sure she's thrilled I'm calling out her entire name. I love the fact that they're getting married. You, you know, I oh, oh gosh, I have been so stoked about this. I am like, it's like the event. I'm super I'm excited. So excited too. Yeah. And we, of course, we love Sam. She's the greatest. And so I've had, I've been having such a good time buying for a girl this year. You get to buy for a girl. I have really put effort into it. Like, you know, they, they were dating Christmases before. And of course we had a little gift exchange and whatever. This year I was just like. But you have to be careful when they're just dating. Well, everyone you, knows this isn't Sam specific. This no. is, you know, your child dating someone specific. You're just like, well, I mean this. Okay. We're hopeful. You know, and but anything could happen. Once they're engaged, though, I was like, all bets are off. Well, you can't like overwhelm him either. Like, you're like, I don't need to be like buying all these great gifts for her and then they break up and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm like, clear the deck. I'm shopping now. (laughs) Warren is so excited. He he really doesn't have a problem with it because it's like great. Because it's Samantha. Because it's Sam. And she's so fun and sweet. And so anyway, we've had the greatest time doing Christmas shopping. But at the end of the day, I'm still behind on stuff. I know. It's It's, a little overwhelming. It is a little overwhelming. But I think that we don't want to overwhelm ourselves next week. No. So we are going to rerun Mm -hmm. one of our favorites. I'm sorry, I was in the middle of a drink right there. Yes, we are rerunning one of the podcasts that we had so many people reach out to us, which by the way, we love that. And Samantha, as our social media editor, she gets back to people. She will comment on Instagram. She's very active on social media. Um, also with our emails, people reached out and emailed us. I had a friend that I ran into at a wedding reception. Hey, Jim. Hey, Teresa. <laughs> they, they, they listen. And he was like, I have to know more about that guy. Can I contact him? Yeah. Well, that guy is Charlie Hedges. Yes. And that's the podcast that we're going to be airing for you today. Denise had some great thoughts about why it would be important to re-air Charlie Hedges, which just to update everybody, the original podcast was episode 80 and it was called The Next Chapter with Charlie. And Charlie was an interesting person in that he started in his life going into the seminary and then he became a teacher and now he digs wells yeah there's an evolution there and you you and i have this thing about people who have reinvented themselves well charlie did it in spades (laughs) yeah and we love that we Mm -hmm. love that because i think maybe because of where we are in our life but also some of our younger listeners have commented to me that know me and said they love hearing about people who have reinvented themselves because it gives them 
the ability to think past what everyone's telling them to do right here and now, right? right. Like when you're 20 something, everyone's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? What right. are you going to be? What's your career path? Right. And you're like, I don't know. My friend Aloba is still open. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> right? Like you're just yeah. not prepared for the rest of your life. And you kind of, not you don't you need shouldn't. to. Yeah, you shouldn't be, but it's like, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure yeah. and you really don't need to be. And I think, I think Charlie is the epitome of saying, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but he kind of went on a spiritual journey mm-hmm. that I think has evolved into and I think that this digging of the wells is also a really spiritual experience. Oh, it is. Because I know people have gone there. And that's how we found out about Charlie. Mutual friends of ours have gone with him to Uganda and all these places. Uganda, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. It's yeah, Uganda. Uganda. We discuss it on the podcast. Yeah, we discuss it on the podcast. <laughs> because it is just such a humbling and really uplifting experience. And I really thought the day after Christmas, we're all burned out on spending money spending time with people that might, you might not necessarily have really mm. wanted to be there, but because they're family, you got to be there mm-hmm, with them. Mm-hmm. And this is like what it's really all about, mm-hmm. which is serving people at a very, very basic level. Yeah, And that's what Charlie was promoting and talking about. And so as we enter the new year, to me, this is what we need to be like focused on. Like, mm-hmm. let's focus on doing good for people, yeah. especially with what's going on right now in this world. If we could just be kind to everybody and maybe do something significant to help somebody, maybe not dig a well, but maybe something else. Maybe this will inspire us. Maybe so. So we are rebooting for you uh, episode 80, the next chapter with Charlie. We hope you enjoy. Happy Tag Tuesday. We survived. Did we? What did we survive? Thanksgiving. We're going into Christmas. All right. Would you say you thrived? (laughs) That's That's a... that's a powerful word (laughs) after a holiday with your family listen it's it's all good it's all good it was beautiful it was a very low-key thanksgiving only five of us oh that's nice my mom was with me and my daughter and her boyfriend and the rest of the family went their separate ways with their in-laws which is what you do when you share your children with other people right you just learn to share yes i don't like sharing i'm not really good at it i'm not good at sharing you only have one I only have the one, so. If you're not sharing, you're never going to have, like, at least with three, I have one with me some at all times, usually. Right. We were actually talking about that this Thanksgiving, <laughs> about what that's, because he is getting older, and the obvious things happen, like, you know, he'll get married someday and have a family that he Ooh. has to, like, yeah, that, yeah, you know. Yeah, he's got to split his time with. He's going to have to split his time, so I just told my husband, here are the things that you and I will be doing, and they were, you know. Following him? Going with him to the in-laws? Crying. No. (laughs) No, no crying. But there were some things like uh, that were on social media over the Thanksgiving weekend that I was like, look at... Well, look at Edinburgh in the in in November. Wouldn't that be exciting? No, I mean, you know, if my kids decide that they all have to be gone at the same time, yeah. that'll just be time for me to go, I don't know, to the to island. To go with Anne and Warren Yeah, we'll go somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we'll go somewhere. I mean, I'll make the best of it. I'm sure you will. I will wallow in it. No. I'm certain of but that. But one of the things that I did today, it's yes. not December 1st. I usually wait till December 1st. But as you know, Christmas is becoming earlier and earlier yeah, for everybody, sure. which I was really before Thanksgiving. I don't want to see Christmas. Really? No. Okay. Why do you need that? Because it takes a lot of time and effort for me to set up Christmas. I mean, I get it. But then it dumbs it down. 
You know, like if Christmas is three months out of the year. <laughs> then when even is Christmas, right? Right. Like it yeah. starts coming in at Halloween. You see all the yeah. Christmas. I think that's just like sacrilege. I okay. don't think we should be doing that. I get it. Everyone just calm down. Calm down. But I kind of got into it today and I listened to the most beautiful Christmas music on the way here. Whose music was it? Andrea Bocelli. Oh, I mean. He and his family have recorded a Christmas uh, Christmas album. Yeah. It is gorgeous. And when you say family, you mean like kids? Kids. Stuff? Okay. He's got a son. Well, he's got two sons and a daughter. Again, the daughter's like, I don't know, 10, Oh, they're eight, nine, little. But the son is a big son. Like he's, oh, he's a man. he's an adult. Okay. He's an adult. Yeah. Very good looking, by the way. Really? He can see. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Not that that matters, but he is fully sighted. <laughs> you could take this out. No. No, we're leaving it in. <laughs> I don't know why that mattered, but. I, d- I watched a video on it today. Then I downloaded it on Spotify and I've listened to it in my office and then I was listening to it all the way here. It is so gorgeous. His voice. I mean, he's going to be in town this weekend. Oh, he's at the pond, isn't he? I want to go. Can you I don't somehow know if I get can. tickets? I can. It's I can. been sold out for a while. It's not sold out. You just have to pay some money. Oh, oh. Is that what that means? <laughs> it just costs money. A lot more than it on, you know, on face value. Yeah, you oh. can get tickets probably for about $300, $400 a piece. Ooh. I know, but. Come on. And he's also at the Hollywood Bowl in May. Yeah, I saw that. I would yeah. love to go. Anyway, I just am telling you, anybody out there looking for good Christmas music, mm-hmm. his voice is like butter. It's so what is it so like gorgeous. Andre Bocelli and family? It's just Feliz Navidad, Away in the Manger. It's all, I only listen to maybe six or seven of the songs, but it's all the traditional with his it's gorgeous voice and this beautiful uh, melodic just together their oh, their voices meld together and then i started listening to other songs that he's done with his son they sing beautifully together i mean uh-huh. having that as your father yeah i mean i got no talent from anybody in my family oh wow. these kids they got it <laughs> i mean that would also be a pressure well they're still going to resent their parents no matter what i mean he even said in this interview that he was literally you know he used to sing but only with his mother because his now, dad is she... andrea the the mother is Andrea's uh, manager and but I'm not sure if I don't think it's the original mother of the older sons but I don't know I didn't get into it that much I was just right. like listening and looking I was like this I was is just, a beautiful family I was just wondering if she was a singer as well like they were she... all around uh, all around a piano singing I mean if I had him as my husband I would just open my mouth and pretend like it was singing mm-hmm. and then you know everyone else is singing and you're just like oh she's Can a singer look at they all sing so good you could you imagine? imagine he would marry somebody like me he would not no someone of that caliber wouldn't marry you or I no but then I say that well I say that at but my husband this is I'm totally writing him out has the most beautiful singing voice he does (laughs) he's never sang to me that's it's on the docket now it's gonna have to happen it's happening no he sings I'm gonna have him sing something for me has the most beautiful voice and he still married me and I am that's a toughie okay well Andrea Bocelli, Maria. he sings that. It's well, yeah. really amazing. It, does he go in those high registers with Ave Maria? Or is it kind of lower? It was lower. Yeah, you it's have to. Tenor. He's you a have beautiful. To. Oh, anyway, I'm just, I don't mean to ring, go on and on, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying if you want to get into the Christmas spirit, not just into like Elf and, you know, all the... Yeah, Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lampoon. You're not, you know, Chevy Chase going <laughs> on a motorhome with his wife and kids. I, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I think you might be. I'm just saying there's a time and a place. And today yeah. was my place with Andrea Bocelli. So you have taken it to the next level. I don't mean to brag. 
this is not Justin Bieber's Christmas. This is something. It will be at another day, but today, not today. Miley Cyrus sings the hits. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm always happy to have it. I just, I when I came upon it, I just wanted to share it because it, it was I'm glad really you beautiful. Did. Really I didn't beautiful. know that existed, so I will go find it's it. It's brand new, I think. Is it? Mm-hmm. 2022. It is. <laughs> Something good came of 2022. Lots of good things. Yes. Yeah. One thing. Yes. Was our is our guest is our guest who has been sitting here. He's Flawless. like I think he's literally like falling asleep as he's listening yeah. to us. No, 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 no. I'm into Molly Cyrus and Christmas music. <laughs> you know, in, you know, we had we had we had tenors and altos. Now we got baritones. Yes. <laughs> yes. So welcome, Charlie Hedges. Thank, Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. How fun it's going to be. You guys are great. Oh, Charlie, we're so glad to have you on. Before we do have any guests, I usually do a pre-interview okay. or some sort of making sure that the guest, I usually, we usually text or call and then we set aside a time so that we can have a conversation. And most of the time, the conversation is... 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most. Well, Charlie and I, I first of all, Charlie, we've, we never met until I called him, but he was recommended by a friend who has been involved with his organization. So I called Charlie <clears throat> thinking that I would just talk to him about one thing, and 30 or 40 minutes later, um, I got off the phone. Yeah, we covered life, the universe, and everything. Yes, yes. And, and one of the things that was funny was Charlie says to me, how come we are not friends? Oh, I, I love that. <laughs> well, our and values are so similar. I know. know. Well, we were talking, and number one, we live very close to one another. Really? We live in the same... We, uh, we kind of converse and hang out with some of the same people. We literally are... Your wife works out and does Pilates at the same Pilates studio at a different time. Oh. We start talking At a reasonable about, time. Yeah. yeah right. I go early. She goes at the normal... I would like to go at that time if yeah. I wasn't working. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting and it was so fun to finally meet you in person and have you here because I was telling Anne after I got off the phone with you, I said, I just had a, the most amazing 30 or 40 minute conversation with Charlie. We're going to have such a great time in the yes. studio. Well, good. I hope I can live up to that. That's a, that's a big... That, <laughs> now I'm... Now I'm afraid i now wasn't we're friends. afraid now we're friends so it's just three friends having conversation I perfect love it. i love it well the first thing though that when denise was talking about charlie and and all of the many things that you do you wear many many hats but the thing that i think caught her attention first off was an organization that you are the vice president of called wells of life yes tell us what that is you know, um, let me start how I got in, introduced to Wells of Life. In 2017, Wells of Life has been in business since about 2010. And it just was a slowly growing, and it, it we provide access to clean water to rural communities in Uganda. We, we drill a well, and each well will serve a community of about 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and so we were kind of growing at a at a steady rate until about 2016 17 we just hockey sticked for some reason we had we had one employee in 2017 we've got 22 now mm. um, and and just because I joined when we were hockey sticking I can't <laughs> claim credit to the hockey stick I just <laughs> happened to provide fuel but I had on my podcast I have a podcast called the next chapter with Charlie and we talk about whatever in the world I feel like talking about. Nice. Like That's guys. like us. Yeah. You know, the ne- what is the ne- What is not the next chapter? Right. There's everything is the next chapter right. so I can talk about whatever I want. And I had our CEO and founder, Nick Jordan, on. And 
I had no idea what the podcast was going to be about and how it was going to go. And he was so inspirational. And he moved me so dearly as to the impact of the lives, the impact on the lives that we make and the people in Uganda. I mean, it's not just water. It's sanitation. It's health. Uh, we provide menstrual pads to girls in schools. We have we teach girls schools in in collecting water when they have when they don't have a water well they go from from normal sources which are just dirty ponds i mean the ponds are so dirty you wouldn't put your hand mm. in mm. and they walk miles and they miss school yeah. and so now that because the girls are the collectors of water you know some of the older boys are 15 16 year olds but you know, on their motorcycles but the girls do most of the collecting water, the girls and moms. And so they're missing school. Now they're not missing school. Mm-hmm. The attendance of school is way up. And, and you know, cholera has disappeared. Um, mm. Dysentery has disappeared. Diarrhea. I mean, it's just, you know, I remember going to a village one time, and, and it was before we put in a well, and I asked him how many people have stomach troubles. You know, I didn't say diarrhea or right. dysentery. And, you know, practically the whole village. And then mm. after a well, you ask how many people are having troubles with their stomach, and you get two or three people raising their hands like normal. It's just yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. And this, we had a big gala in November, which we were fortunate to raise, you know, a nice sum of money, like $1.8 million. Yes. And we have now, we sold our 1,000th well, which means we have... Uh, provided access to safe and clean water to one million people Mm. in rural Uganda. That's amazing. It is amazing. It is just amazing. It is so cool. And we do so many, you know, we do so many other things. You know, we do this health and sanitation and we help, you know, build latrines and, Mm. you know, just change the style of life. Why is it that a place like Uganda does not have water? They have, the problem what they have is they don't have surface water. They have aquifer water. It mm-hmm. rains a lot, but the rain goes down into these aquifers. So mm-hmm. there's not lakes that they mm-hmm. can get. There's just dirty ponds laying around. So you must drill, and we drill as shallow as 60 feet and up to 300 feet mm-hmm. that we will drill wells. But, you know, water, you know, you know water is the number one reason for poverty. On the list of poverty, water comes, poverty begins with lack of water. Without water, how many days do you have to live? You can't do You know, anything. four days? I mean, I, days, I, yeah. I, I don't know. You, you, don't, you don't live without water. And without clean water, then you're subject to such illnesses, mm-hmm. stunted growth, all sorts of... It's just, I think it's, you know, I, I really, the numbers always are swiftly changing in my mind, but... You know, we're looking over a billion people in the world do not have access to clean water. A billion people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, like you said, you know, we, you know, how many times we flush our toilet (laughs) if we have three inches of urine? (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just. Yeah. Or you, you you take your hairbrush and you clean it out and then you flush the, the toilet, toilet because you have loose hair there, just whatever reason, right? Yeah. Or you leave your or you leave when you're brushing your teeth, yeah. you leave the sink running while you go into another room and do something and the sink's still running because we're not thinking about it. Although that's not gonna last for long. No. The Colorado River yeah. is not no. we're going to start going on water rationing, rationing yeah. 
not too but, far in the but future. But nothing like you're talking about in places like Africa, because we're talking about, you're talking about dysentery, you're talking about literally malaria, you're talking about all kinds of things that are a product of not having fresh water. Absolutely. Yeah, that is not having fresh water. And, and you know, and the, the thing that's very exciting as well is the people of Uganda. You Look what I just said. <gasps> oh, let's, oh, wait, wait, bring, wait. That let's brings tell up everybody. Yes. Now, as I mentioned, when uh, when Charlie first walked in, I said, hey, we've got some friends. And, they, you know, there's a big there's a big argument in the household about the pronunciation of that specific country. And what did you tell me? Well, I, I told you, but the way I settled it, we had four Ugandans. Uh, we had four Ugandans staying at a friend's house, and I asked them. I didn't give them any hints, you know, which one is it? Is it Uganda or Uganda? Right. And I, and I just said, how do you pronounce the name of your country? And they all said, Uganda, why? And I said, not Uganda. And they said, what is that? Oh, That's, where is that? I've yeah, never where heard is of that, that I've never heard of that country. Yeah, so it is Uganda. So, okay. so um, now most we all Americans know. The, the, don't the, say Uganda. They say Uganda. Almost all. I've never yeah. heard it. Yeah. 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 I, even say Uganda. You know, that's because they've never spent there. I go to Uganda two to three times a year. You do? Yeah. Because I'm in charge of the leadership team, and so I'm working with them with strategy and tactics and, you know, working the with the government. Team over in, in, Uganda. in Uganda. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have three. I have a country director, a deputy country director, and a high-level senior. It's called a wash officer, water sanitation and hygiene. Oh. And she is she runs that. So we have two men and a woman running the country over there. And that's that's who I meet primarily with. Although I will meet with the staff and give them encouragement. You know, it's always good for the staff to have somebody from the United States saying, you guys are doing a tremendous job. And, and But, you know, I wanted to comment on the people of Uganda. Mm -hmm. The people of Uganda are just in rural Uganda, not in the cities. In the cities, you have so much poverty. You know, the average age, the average age in Uganda is 15. What? Is 15. Wow. Average it is, age. It is one of the largest, quickest growing countries in the world. You know, that their population is increasing what radically. What is their population, do you know? Right at, it's coming right close to 50 million. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know, you know, it may be this, it may be like the states of, of Cleveland or of Ohio and, you know, those kind of the surrounding states there. It's just, it's not a big country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, but they are the happiest people. Mm -hmm. Denise and they're just, they, they are so cool. It's just, since they don't have any such thing as the American dream, mm -hmm. they don't know what tomorrow is. Tomorrow does not exist mm. in a rural Ugandan culture. They're not thinking, tomorrow I will be. It's tomorrow I'm going to wake up and do the same thing I did today, which I'm going to do the same thing I do the next day and day on and on. So there is no tomorrow. There, so it is only right now. And they take such extraordinary pleasure in the right now. I love that. Oh, it's very cool. And the people, I just love, that's why I love going to Uganda. I love the people of Uganda. Do they have electronics and things that are, that, like we have, I mean, when you talk about the now, we've talked about this on the podcast, and a lot of parents know that the distractions of life that we all are experiencing come from our little phones that we, you know, our phones that we call our phones, but are really our computer and now our life. And yeah. it's our lifeline. They don't have those types of distractions, I'm assuming. Well, first of all, to one degree, you know, we, we, we jokingly refer to those as first world problems. Yes. Um, but, but there are, there are phones. 
I mean, phones are ubiquitous. Phones are everywhere, but they're not smartphones. Mm-hmm. They, they have some smartphones because we've tried to translate different text that we use in water, sanitation, and hygiene. And there's just not enough cell phones. So they, they don't have that distraction. They just have, it is, it is a matter of survival. And if they have food, they're happy. But you ask about electricity. In the cities, in the small little suburban, I wouldn't even call them suburban. I don't know how to put them. Just small little village cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is electricity. But in homes, it's all, it's all lamps and kerosene lamps and mm. latrines and no running water. They, you know, they live on dirt floors. Wow. And they're just. What is, what is the, what do they produce there? Anything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's growing crops that I, you know, I wish I could tell you more of the crops, but it's, it's a very starchy crop. It's very potatoes. Uh huh. Yeah. Agriculture. And then there is a bit of farming, but it's, but the agriculture, the people own their own land and will typically farm their own land, but agriculture, I mean, but but farming is somebody else owns the owns the cattle. Oh, okay. And talking about the wells, how much does it cost per well? Eight thousand dollars. Eight grand. So I assume that the machinery and everything is there. It's already been purchased, and these aren't being dug by hand. You've got a boring system. We have a we have a we have a driller a, a, a drilling unit that that we contract. We don't drill ourselves. We contract our drilling mm-hmm. to two different drillers, primarily one. But the 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 drill itself is like a semi. I mean, it's a it's a giant piece of equipment that mm-hmm. you know can go two and three hundred feet deep. Mm-hmm. And we have all the well, all the the components of the well. We have that, and and we install that and. They drill the well. We come in and do the installation, foundation laying cement, fence building. You build a fence around it because you don't want cattle coming into your oh, water source. Yeah, you know you're having to protect the the sanitation and hygiene of your water source. Mm-hmm. So things we don't think about. Oh yeah. my goodness, mm-hmm. you know it is just so so complex yet just so wonderful. And is there a filtration system in the well? No, there's not. No. So no, the water is clean. The aquifer water is clean, and we do laboratory testing mm-hmm. on every well that we drill. Mm. Uh, every well we drill is laboratory tested, and and primarily the the, the biggest problem typically comes from, um, and it's rare. I mean, it's very very rare, but it would be iron, and it's coming from before we were using stainless steel pipes, we were using galvanized iron in there, and so. That would, you know, after a while, that begins to break down and creates the source. But we now use only, we have, we are top of the game in our construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all stainless steel piping and stainless steel materials that that work. Once you dig the well, sorry, Denise, go ahead. Once you dig the well, then is it piped to the individual homes or do people still need to come to the well for Great water? Great question, Ann. No, uh, there there is a piping system, mm-hmm. but... Because of expenses and because it's just not the game that we're in. Mm-hmm. And that would assume you have villages within a half a mile to a mile to two miles away that you could. And you're still laying pipes. You know, I remember we're in a third world country laying pipes. There is always, there will always be a need for independent hand pump wells because they're just not convenient enough to, to use pipe systems. So there are hand, these are hand-pumped wells that are filled daily. 
I mean, hourly, minutely, people pumping water into their, into their, they're called jerry cans. Five gallon containers that women and girls carry on their heads. 40 pounds of water. Uh-uh. 40 pounds, yeah. 40 pounds of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had your, your, your friend Glenn Zetz. Mm-hmm. We found a dirty water source and they were bringing up a, um, a jerry can full of water. He didn't put it on his head. He just carried it by hand. He almost didn't make it up the hill. <laughs> and he goes to boot camp like three yeah, or four days yeah, a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to remind him about that. <laughs> yeah. And you've got women and and children young, and girls carrying yeah. those because yes. they have to. They have to. It's it's part of the lifestyle. It's it's you know it's it's certainly the patriarch lifestyle. You know you have you have traditional. You know, old world traditional values. Yeah, are are what's I going get it. on. The beautiful yeah. thing about that is, you know, and we can't in our American thought process. It's hard for us to understand it. But carrying the water to me isn't the the big problem. You being able to have the clean water that was the problem. Mm-hmm. Now this is part of the tradition. These girls are doing it. It's part of what they give back to the community and to their families. That's how they serve one another. That's a tremendous insight. I, I think I think that's really true because they are providing. And when they were going to dirty water sources, they would have to walk miles. Yeah. Now the average is less than a half a mile. Oh, wow. And it's clean water that's, once they and get it's, it. And it's clean water. They can do it in the morning before school. They can go to school. And then with the girls, you know, which, I, you know, I'm, I really think is very cool. It's our menstrual hygiene management mm-hmm. and that we provide kits that have uh, four reusable pads with a pair of, they call them, you know, we use British terms, they call them knickers, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. knickers and or panties and so, as we would call panties them. Panties yeah. is what we would mm-hmm. call them, yes. And so a girl always during her menstrual cycle has clean, mm-hmm. has clean, Underwear, yeah, yeah, because they were missing school, you know, four or five days a month, and you cannot continue to learn and grow if it's a mandatory one week out of out of every month that you can't go to school for something as simple as having your period, which is every woman's. That's just the way it is. What we do find, however, is one of the big problems is the bullying of the boys Mm. when a girl is on her period you know Mm. if there's any kind of things then you got boy bullying you know typical boys being boys and that's what we do which is not acceptable uh what we do is that we have courses that we go in in our water sanitation and hygiene program that we go into schools and we train the boys about what is going on this is a natural phenomenon this is normal and for you to to make fun of it is, you know, and, and so so we really we That's really awesome. try to work on that. That's a cool and then we yeah. have when we distribute the pads, uh, we have a couple of sessions where Miss Ugandan women distribute the pads, and that is amazing in the villages. These girls idolize now, Miss Uganda, Miss okay, Uganda, Miss Uganda. So so you're talking about beauty pageant level ladies. They've won Miss Uganda, and yes. they come in and are distributors of this. Distributors, teachers. Oh. Uh, mentors, mentors showing them how to use it. What's what's the need of using it? And the boys attend too, and so everybody everybody gets to see. Let's get it's sort of cel- you know, <laughs> yeah. sort of a celebrity sort of thing involved because Miss Uganda is a pretty big title. It would, yeah, 
I mean, I'm impressed. I want to. I want to meet Miss Uganda. She's going to be the most beautiful woman Elizabeth, in the country. Elizabeth, yeah, she's so cool. Yeah. she's very, she's very cool. Now you're a pretty humble guy, but I'm going to bring this up anyway. Your family received the Humanitarian of the Year award at this gala. We did. And what, what was that about? Why were you bestowed that? Because it's a pretty, it's a big deal. Yes, thank you. It it was a big deal for me. Um, it was because of since 2017, my my it's all volunteer and and I'm retired. So, but I, I, it means I don't I don't earn a living, <laughs> but it doesn't mean I don't work. No. My I, I I I my 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 wife works and is absolutely amazing. So I proudly say I am a kept man. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope to achieve that one day. <laughs> you want to have a kept husband? I do. I want to be a sugar mama big time, but I don't think this it's going to This podcast might, you never know if it just you goes never really great. Know. We're working, we're working you, on it. So. You, never, you never know. So, so, oh, I lost track of where I was going. You were you were given a humanitarian of the Oh, yes, award, yes, yes. Yeah. And so that had a lot to do with my activity because I probably put anywhere between 10 and 20 hours a week into the charity. Oh, that's a full-time job. Yeah, kind of. And um, But the the big contributor was my son. My son is a professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. He just um, uh, he just hit free agency. He was with Cleveland Guardians last year, was a catcher in their, in their playoff run. Oh, and, the Guardians um, used to be the Indians. Indians but we used can't to be say the that Cle- anymore. No. No. Moving on. Another another conversation. <laughs> but he he is truly a philanthropist. He has given so much money. We never we never announce the amount of money, but I mean it's like a lot. A, like a lot. Good for you. Congratulations yeah. on raising an yeah. American and, and raising a human that is that amazing. And Seriously. he gave a speech that just knocked everybody off their socks and he made oh. it up as he was going that's I the way he gives it. speeches so free agency oh. does that mean he's up for grabs yeah so maybe yeah. he could come to the angels i'm just saying we'll, we'll see scott boris is his agent so that's kind of like really the god of agents uh, yeah he's like the grand poobah of all agents he is he Surely is cow. and so we'll see cleveland wants him back i'm sure they do um and they gave him an offer, and he just wanted to test the market, and the market starts on Sunday oh, at the general manager's meeting. So he should know, next week he should know where he's going to land. He loves Cleveland. He loves the manager, loves Tito Francona. Just said it's the he's the best manager he's ever played under and just absolutely loved Cleveland. What, what position does he play? He's catcher. Oh, wow. He's well, a catcher. He's, he's considered one of the best catchers in baseball. Um, he's he's very good. That's you and I had a conversation before this, and because our conversation went long and vast, mm-hmm. we just kept going from one thing to the next. But you were telling me a little bit about your your experience in the baseball world. <laughs> what was your claim to fame that you shared with me? Oh gosh, see, I was forty two when my son was born, so we were later parents, and that's the only child I have. So I was I became his coach for baseball because I played baseball, and then. I mean, I played a bit, a bit of baseball. I went to UCLA on a gymnastics scholarship, but I played oh, wow. a bit of baseball. But um, I, 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 as I was coaching these young travel teams, I started going to clinics of high school teachers, high school coaches, instructing youth. So I learned all of their programs, taught their programs. We ended up at one point in our team from 
eight or nine years old. I don't remember where we started till 12. There was one point in our season, in our in our history, that we were 67 and two. Oh. <laughs> you know, we just didn't, we just didn't lose. You're not the and bad news bears. No, 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 we are not. We are. And as it turns out, over that time period and up to the 12 time period, I have seven professional athletes that played for me. What? Yeah. Not not That's guys amazing. in the minor leagues. I'm talking about guys in the big that leagues. That went to the big You know, leagues. like the Philadelphia Bryce Harper and... He played and, for you. He yeah, played he played played it just not a lot, not a lot. A couple of a couple of tournaments, he played for us. But Joe Musgrove of the of the San Diego mm-hmm. and Michael Lorenzen of the Angels. Zach Davies was was of Arizona. My son, uh, Matt Chapman, who plays for the Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. who is a Platinum Glove winner. Wow, uh, there are a couple others. Yeah, wow. So you you got baseball in the blood. It's no surprise that your son has gone all the way. Well, yeah, you know, I contributed, Mm -hmm. but when you got a child with talent, it's hard to screw it up. You know, you just just, let it happen. You just, and, and, you know, it's just mentally that you're trying to work with them and help them understand how to grow and the team concept. You know, I so, I so love what he used to do after a baseball game. He'd get people come up and ask him. So Austin, his name is Austin Mm -hmm. Hedges. So Austin. Uh, how was your game today? And they're expecting, well, you know, I had two doubles and I threw a guy out at second and all that. He said, you know, we struggled for the first three innings, but then we came alive in the fourth and we, you know, we won in the sixth inning. It was great. He only talks about team. Nice. He does not, he does not, he plays, there was a guy that wrote about him on the Guardians and said he plays for the name on the front of his jersey, not the name on the back of his jersey. Beautiful. He plays for the team, not for mm-hmm. himself. That's a beautiful life lesson right there. Sometimes relationships, when especially when it's your father, can go a little bit sideways. What was the secret, do you think, that made him not only be successful, but still keep you guys having a good relationship? That's a that's a that's a great question, Denise. And I you know, I do have a response. It's just it's just for me. It's something I can't necessarily say mm-hmm. this is the paradigm for everybody. Mm-hmm. But remember, I was 42 when my son was born. And when my son was born, I was, I was sort of ambivalent about having a child. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife wanted a child, so let's have a child. Sure. But, you know, it was not like high on my list of I've got to do this thing. During the pregnancy, it got higher on my list, but still was not on my list. And then the day he was hatched, uh, that was it. I was screwed. <laughs> you know, it's we it's all, it's, we all know. it's all it's over. All I never loved anything like I love that child. He's thirty years old today, and it does it does not diminish whatsoever. And so that love always we were able to find because I was raised with a really good balance of grace and love. Mm -hmm. I was raised because I was an adopted child, so I came from a very dysfunctional, abandoned, homeless kind of stuff Mm -hmm. into a wonderful home that I was fully accepted. And and I was fully accepted for me. I didn't have to feel like I had to jump through hoops to earn it. However, my mom, and it was a rather matriarchal family, which I'm very happy for, um, she created boundaries. Mm-hmm. And she said, I love you to death, but if you cross that boundary, I'm going to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> I you know? love it, your mom. But it didn't, it was still with love. I yes. mean, I never questioned that she didn't love me. Yeah. She was just trying to teach me a lesson I didn't want to learn. How old were you when you were adopted? Seven. 
So you were conscious of the dysfunction and then the gift of this beautiful family. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not so, I'm not so sure that I was conscious of the dysfunction as I was conscious that I was, it became very apparent that I was very screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't know that I, it, it took a while for me to really reconcile with the abandonment and with all of those, you know, those were there, but, but it just was that I was not an accepted person. I was kind of like a persona non gratis mm-hmm. around, you know, who, you know, kind of a pain to be around. But you don't know any different. You know, when you're that, when you're seven. When you're seven. You don't know. You know That's you the know. only thing you've been presented with. No, but this woman changed my life. I mean, I was 40 when she died, and for me, God died. Oh. You know, I mean, she was she was the whole Trinitarian essence of deity for me. She mm-hmm. was everything. Now, that brings me to another question. Um, you have a seminary degree. I do. What inspired that? <laughs> oh gosh, we're really getting into stories. <laughs> so, so, so let's let's tell let's tell the pre-story before we tell the story of my coming to realization of a higher power of higher source. Go right ahead. I was in the 1960s. I was a hippie. Sure. I mean, I went to UCLA on a full gymnastics scholarship and graduated. Or I didn't graduate. I quit in my third year with long hair and a chopped motorcycle. Oh, yeah. And, hitchhiked, job, everybody. and hitchhiked around the country. <laughs> oh, that was my in 69. It's amazing. You know, and your mother, dr- was, what did she say about that? Oh, she was horrified. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, she just kind of let me be. You know, they, because what are you going to do to a 19-year-old? You're not going to change your mind. No. So I went through a whole decade, y'all, of of I call it my dark decade mm-hmm. of which I lived going to concerts and doing things that are socially unacceptable now mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. I was a very high functioning alcoholic drug addict and I was very successful in business mm-hmm. and I was the business manager of a of a division that had you know not a lot but it had 130 employees and we ran an extremely profitable division but I would, you know, I would have two-hour lunches, mm, sure. and I would go out. You know, I mean, just I could, I could function on all of that. Right. Nineteen seventy-nine is nineteen eighty. When I'm twenty-nine and thirty, I was dating a woman in Georgia who was a Christian woman, mm-hmm. and I kept telling her, you know, you guys believe in this crazy, you know, you know the, you know the the white, the white white bearded long robe man on a cloud i just said i can't buy this stuff mm-hmm. so let me read your text to show you that you're wrong okay so she gave me the living bible and she gave me two books to read she gave me the book of john which is suspect expected you know that that is normal book that is given to okay. people who are you know progressing into some kind of faith sure thoughts but she also gave me the book of romans which is a book of like laws and i loved it and i loved romans but both of them and this happened in 1980. The Spirit of God came alive to me. And it was not, I never accepted Jesus into my life. I was shown the face of Jesus, and there is no saying no. Well, had you been exposed to any organized religion before that? None, 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 none. So the book of, you read John, you read Romans, you get in the little Bible, and. What you, God you learned how to pray, or what happened? Yeah, yeah, pray and pray. I define pray very differently now. Um, but you know, I did, I did pray, but it was just, it was 
the scriptures were the scriptures were just delightful for me. Mm. You know, I just I I loved them. I read them. I studied them. You know, I I became within two years I was at a seminary and I was at the seminary that that I call the seminary with redundant name. It's a Western conservative Baptist, like they're going to call it Western <laughs> liberal liberal Baptist. Baptist you know? Yeah, who are they? <laughs> and and you know, although. You know, I'm rather free thinking now. I I loved having the strong roots of a very solid, sound tradition that I can always go back to and lean on, yeah. and see where I may differ with some of those opinions. Yeah, but um, they're very, they're very, they're very, very strong to me. So that was. Why did you go to the seminary in the first place? With the desire mm-hmm. to become a priest, or a, it was a minister. A minister, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. It was in a Protestant church, a uh, very large Protestant church. At you know, when I was on staff, we were up to about twelve to fifteen thousand. It was at the time it was thousand. called South Coast Community Church. It's now called Mariners. It's so Mariners. Most mm-hmm. people know of it yes, that way. Yes, of course. Um, and and. Uh, I lost my track. <laughs> you track. you wanted to become a minister. Yeah. Did you finish the seminary? Did you graduate? I did. I did. I graduated okay. with honors. I graduated top of my class. But I did not do what's called an MDiv, a Master's of Divinity. Okay. I did two MAs, a Master's of Hebrew Text and, and Greek Text, because... Okay. I knew how to be a minister because I was in a church that was so good with pastoral ministry. Yes. We were so good with people. I didn't need to have the Baptist tell me how to deal with people. Right. I wanted to know the text, and I wanted to know the original languages. I wanted to know how to how to do that. So that was that was why I went to seminary. Do you speak Hebrew? Do I speak Hebrew? I I'm, used I'm not understanding what the different what like why are you studying I can read Hebrew? It. Okay. I can read it because it's Greek. I mean it's Greek. It's it's the Old Testament. It's the, original the, the old the Old Testament is all written, written in Greek. Hebrew except for one chapter that's written in Aramaic. Mm-hmm. But it's uh all Hebrew and the New Testament's all written in Koine Greek. Mm-hmm. So, so you wanted to be able to read those books. The original languages. And now I understand I don't need the original languages. Why? Because they're not necessary. The the big picture, the story is fine in any any modern translation. You know, I have translations that I like. I think the most precise translation of the Greek and Hebrew is the New American Standard Bible. Okay. But I read the New Century Version, which is the Church of Christ, and it's called a version that's called the Everyday Bible. And it's just so accessible to me, so readable. Mm-hmm. It's just... You know, and I read it, I, I read every day. I read the Old Testament okay. in the morning, the New Testament at night. and oh, Wow. Because I'm, I'm really into, I don't know if we want to get into this or not, but, but I have, I was raised sort of evangelical. I'm okay. not, I don't fit the evangelicals anymore because I'm not quite so stringent. Right. Um, and I'm very influenced immersed in the late medieval Christian mystics. Okay. So it's Julian of Norwich, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, Bonaventure, Meister Eckhart, these people in 12 to 1500 that have a whole different view of theology than we have now. Now we're, since the age of enlightenment, since the age of reason, you know, we're, we're, we're much more focused on law, and even though they won't call it law, but, you know, certain behaviors yeah. are getting you. And 
the mystics are not interested in that. They're interested in one thing. They're interested in relationship. They're interested in becoming, there's a, there's a verse, and I believe it's Second Peter. I always confuse them if it's first or second. I think it's Second Peter where Peter writes, uh, God has, has given you uh, everything you need for life or godliness. And in addition, he has granted you permission. Check this out. He has granted you permission to partake within the divine nature. What does that mean? That means you become one with God. I had a, I had a, um, a Benedictine monk told me, in essence, this is not the truth, but it's just sort of the essence. We are invited to be the fourth member of the Trinity. Oh. God wants us that kind of union with mm-hmm. God. That's why my prayer has changed. I'm not a, I'm not a petitionary prayer. I'm a contemplative prayer. What does that mean? That means I am trying to seek a sort of integration of me and God, and that I understand myself, I understand God, and I can put those together where I can become more intimate with God. So rather than petitioning him for forgiveness or guidance or what you're saying, let me be a part of Or give me my car and give me my house and give me my parking (laughs) place, you know? Oh, boy. Yeah. No. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it's a different take. and, And, you know, it's becoming quite popular now. I mean, you know, I mean, popular, you know, I don't know what the numbers, but it's not just a handful of us anymore. There's a lot of people going after Christian mysticism because they're seeing it's open, it's accepting, it's, it's, it's non-exclusive, it's, it's uh, it's non-exclusive, it's very inclusive, inclusive for it's not exclusive, and, and it, it just, it just focuses on as I said, just the love of God and the love of people. It's just both of those. So it's less specific. Like you were saying, you're not so mired down in laws and rules. Right. Commandments. Which you're still still on board with the commandments, aren't you? I'm do what? You're still on board with the commandments, aren't you? yeah. Okay, so yeah. yeah. Except my commandments are now the Beatitudes, not so Mm. much... Not oh. so, not so much the Ten Commandments. I mean, do I believe in the Ten Commandments? Absolutely, you have to be yeah. a fool not to, I mean, because they're just. I mean, it's pretty they're, basic, they're, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty, but but I think Jesus in the Beatitudes gave his version of what the Ten Commandments should really look like, and it's love and life on earth. The spirit of the law, not so much the letter. Precisely. Yes. Yeah. So, do you have a, a group that you meet with that that believes the same as you, or you're this is your own personal study, and you sort of find people online or you know wherever yep. you come yep. across? Yeah, and that that is it. There is no, there is no the mystical church of USA. <laughs> oh, you know, we the mystical we, church of Tustin. Let's do this. <laughs> Well, you know, there's a lot of people that you know. I, I'm I'm really surprised. I'm getting more and more questions. Um, I have I contemplated. I thought I was going to write a book in Portugal in the in the summer, and I didn't get very far on it. But I was going to write a book about about why so many people are leaving the church. You know, we're having this we're having this mm-hmm. rapid decline. You yes. know, in 1999, 74 percent claimed they went to church. Today, 49 percent. Mm. Say they go to church and less actually believe in a higher power, a source, a god, a deity, or whatever. And I think you know, I th- I think the church is doing that to herself. How so? By 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 focusing on um, on transactional behaviors, 
on if you do this, God will do this. Here's the way you get God's approval. You can't get God's approval. That's silly because God is love and loves us before we even know who God is. You know, we, we don't we need are, his approval. We already have it. We have his approval. Correct. Now, there are standards that he would love to, or standards are, I even, you know, going to suggestions is a little bit weak, you know, so let's just call them standards. But God is saying, this is the way it works. Here's the way There's life works. I, well, I, it, 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 it's, it's, it's part of a whole systematic thing. This is the way I created the world. And if you fall into alignment with the creation intent, then you're going to have a life that really matters rather than a life of the ego, which I, you know, the, the, what's called the small ego. I'm getting really technical here. <laughs> um, um, which I consider, it's, it's the ego that drives us, not the one that should drive us, and it's about power, prestige, and possessions. Right. And that's what, that's, is that not the American dream? Is that the natural man, you would say? Like the natural man yes. is, is really about things, yes. not about the relationship, even with each other. Yes. It's more about the relationship they have with things than people or their, their God or the yes. higher power. Mm-hmm. Yes, precisely. I, I, I totally agree, Denise. Which brings it back around to your work with Wells of Life. It's a, it's, you're not getting anything out of it. You're giving. Uh, well, I. Or would you disagree? Well, I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not getting that? anything material out of That's it, but a, spiritually, mm-hmm. and the heart of me, I'm, I'm a philanthropist at heart. I'm a giver at heart, and so I am quite fulfilled whenever I can do good, help influence and inspire are things that are important to me, not advice. I, that was why I think I, I told you that I, I went from executive coach to partner in thought because I, I could present principles and, and suggestions of things to consider and let God and this other person work that out. I don't, I don't have to be the intermediary to work that out. That's not my job. So you are an executive coach, but you have rephrased the idea of that to be what say it again partner in thought partner in thought i've always liked that i just think that i think that title really works when working with when working with uh 50 million dollar a year plus people you know you know i have i have a story that goes back that you know i don't don't know if it's relevant now but when i left seminary i had an advisor and it was a very conservative seminary obviously the conservative baptist and I had a seminary professor that, since I graduated top of my class, he could only say nice things about me, right? You know, <laughs> you're going to be this. But this I have against you, he oh. told me. Oh. And, and I said, oh. And he says, you have a proclivity for the novel. And, and that to him was a counter, was a negative. And to me, I told him, that's a compliment. Absolutely. You know, that is that is what I want. I want a proclivity for the novel. Yes, but I think want of that to find in it... terms of the structure of a of a re- organized religion. Oh. No, 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 no. Oh, that's no. that's disaster. You cannot be novel. No, no, we were against it. Isn't that interesting? Because when I think of Jesus Christ, I think of him as being fairly novel. I mean, he. Oh, well, especially at his time, he was a he was a rebel. Well, ex- exactly. Yeah. Like he he was the one. Mm-hmm. He was the one that changed it for everything. Yeah. And so he did it. And he did it in such an upside down way. Exactly. He did it without power structure, mm-hmm. without religional structure, and he did it with poor people, sinners, 
and people that no one else wanted anything to do with. I mean, look at the birth, you know, I, I'm going to do a podcast on the birth narrative, and the birth narrative really shows the humility of which Christ came to earth. Absolutely. And, and his methodology for changing the world was not like the Romans and the, and the big, and, and the, the big colonial the mm-hmm. It was It was just about living a life honoring to God and helping other people. I have a question regarding your executive coaching partner mm. and thought. Mm-hmm. These CEOs that you work with, they're mm-hmm. they're over billion dollar country companies mm-hmm. and countries. Either that or they're managing a billion dollars. Or they're assets. managing it. Either they, they are worth a million, some are worth a million and some were managing more than a billion dollars in assets. Are these religious people? Are you approaching them One, with the two. With the whole two of five, two out of five, and then so the others are are, are sort of you know one is Jewish and sort of not not a really a practicing Jew, and mm-hmm. the others are just you know not atheist, but they're they're not. There's just nothing there. Do you yeah. bring to them though when you're doing because clearly you're this is very much a part of you. Um, not just the standard religion, but a spirituality. Do you bring that to them in your life coaching of them? I would, I would hope so, Anne. Although, here's what I talk about with Wells of Life, and this will apply. Okay. You know, there's a lot of groups out there that are doing Christian work. We're a Christian CEO, or CEO, we're a Christian NGO. And a lot of NGOs, Christian NGOs, are all about gospel proclamation about trying to convert. That's not us. No. And and I came up with the term that we are not the mouth of Jesus, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm. That you have been call you've been praying for someone to bring you water, someone to help your community. God has given that as answered that prayer through us. And so we are his hands and feet. I love that. I take that in the way I coach people. I'm not going to do proclamations unless they want to talk about God. And, right. you know, obviously I can talk about God as much as you want to talk about God. But I want it to be through my actions. And, you know, and I, I even performed one wedding for one of oh. my one of my guys. <laughs> really? It was really oh, weird having, <laughs> having your, your coach do your do your you know do your wedding they wanted me to do perform the wedding that seems right though i mean yeah it was delightful it was wonderful i'm still very close with them yeah i have i I have maybe you know i said i probably seven careers i did i've I've done i can last about a decade when you first talked we chatted you talked about reinvention you know i wrote a book 25 years ago on reinvention long before it was it was titled (laughs) getting the right things right Personal strategies for reinventing a life you want, and and it did pretty well. It was with with a very prominent Christian group, and we sold about a million dollars worth of product. Wow. But but um, it was still before its time. Yeah. Um, I had another book called Call It Love or Call It Quits, which is a singles guide to meaningful relationships. With no marketing, went crazy, sold really <laughs> well. This one didn't have the marketing, but didn't sell it. But it's it's sold a decent amount of copies, but I just don't think people were ready for reinvention in 1995. And it that wasn't was, really a, as much a term. Now it's like, it's a term. It, it, it was not. I, I, I made it up. There yeah. was no one else using it. I mean, I'm right. sure there were other people using it. I'm not that. 
You You coined it, though, in this book. (laughs) In this book. Yeah, I am written at a date, you know, so it is dated. Yeah, yeah. When you live in a a transactional paradigm, you think your actions are going to be, are going to have certain results, you know, it's Mm -hmm. mathematical. Mm -hmm. Um, When you really, when you live in a relational reinvention, life is a constant change. And 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 it is, and one thing because we have to lose again a scientific term the Newtonian paradigm which is very left brain and following mm-hmm. the rules and all that and go more right brained, mm-hmm. and we have to think that that life is building upon itself. I take like for instance my my dark decade of the of the seventies. The dark decade. Yeah, that's I what I have it. a few of those. Well, one, believe me, one was enough. You know, I've got, yeah, I've had darkness in decades, but I've not had a whole dark decade. <laughs> you know, sounds very middle agean. Um, um, is that all of those experiences taught me about people, taught me about myself, taught me about life and what goals are and what works. I just and. And I didn't throw all the, that away. I used that as grist to build upon. Mm-hmm. And that's what transformation, you know, a writer that I like, Richard Rohr, calls for. Transformation is quite different from change. Right. Transformation is so taking good. where you are and building upon that. I love that. I mean, and that's what, that's the, the message to people, right? That don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of transformation. Evolution. Don't well, be afraid of evolution. personal evolution. I mean, oh, I can you'll love help. Ilya Delio. Ilya Delio is a, a Franciscan monk with a PhD in theology and a PhD in biology. Wow! So she's oh. a scientist theologian, and she's brilliant. and And her teachings on evolution, and not talking about the evolution of humankind, just no. evolution in, in, life, in life in general, yeah. the cosmos. You, you know, God built the cosmos to grow. Mm-hmm. It started with the seed. Everything starts with the seed and is planted and it was and is growing. And she's very strong into that. So that would be a, an interesting person to look at. I L I A D E H L I O Ilia Delio. So. I don't know how long you've been in this decade of progress with Wells. I guess it's almost been a decade that you've been doing it. What's next for you? If are you are you transitioning to something new anytime soon? What what could we expect from Charlie in the next few years? You know, I I, I typically have better clarity on that. I am looking now to grow older wisely. I, I just turned 73. You look fantastic, Whoa. by the way. Seriously? Thank you. Yeah. You guys got to see this guy. He doesn't look like he's <laughs> we'll 73. That's, why, picture. I, that's <laughs> why I said 20 years I've got on you guys. <laughs> wow. Okay. Go um, on. <laughs> um, and, and I wanted to make an impact on my son. Um, and, and I just, you know, I, I, I want to be a contributor I want to be contributor to life, and I'm very another another old twelve hundred from the twelve hundreds uh, mystic Bonaventure. He has written the for me the best definition of Trinity, and and that it's it's a consequence of love, 
of God giving love to Jesus, and the two of them create a love that needs to be given to a third party, which is a Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and the three live in this dance, Mm -hmm. this beautiful dance of love. They each have roles, but they're each one, and so I'm very Trinitarian, and I want to I want to be partake in that divine nature of that trinity of love. And create love. your own. But love has to be, you know, do I have time for another story? Yes, I mean, are we, always. You know, in, in 2020, I went on a retreat. And it was a 10-day retreat, and I think about six days were total silence. Which what? Total silence. <laughs> we can't, she can't comprehend it. You and I, but you're, you're like, like I, I please. We well, drive to Vegas, and we don't stop talking for three or four hours. Yeah, what are you and, talking about? And you can't take drugs. So. Oh, really? <laughs> it's just silent. Is caffeine a drug? So, uh, there's, they may serve coffee, I doubt it. Diet Coke? <laughs> I don't know. Just asking. I'm, I'm thinking oh, I tell you about what they don't. What they don't have is no phones, no computers, no laptops. Oh, yeah. You can have a journal that you can write I, in. I snuck in the Tao Te Ching oh. because I, I I like Lao Tzu, and I, I think there's wisdom in the Tao Te Ching. I don't Dao think Dao we're Jing. going to this anytime soon, you or I. Well, let's, but, so but let's you know, what but, but you know what I did is I, I went with the intention, <laughs> and I had an intention of trying to access my inability to receive love. So, you know, you can imagine as a child that felt abandoned, homeless, Mm -hmm. unwanted, sort of non-existent. You know, he could be in the room, but he really wasn't in the room. No one no one noticed. And 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 with that I've got to think of where I was going. I I take side tricks and then I side traps and then I forget where I was going on that. The meditation seminar. Oh, and I decided I wanted to, my intent was to learn how to receive love. And it was an amazing, you know, Jesus says, love God and love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. I take that it begins with the self. Until you really can love yourself, it's very difficult to love other people. It's, you can respect them. You can admire them. But to have this sort of accepting, open, I don't care what kind of jerk you are. You know, you, you may be frustrating, annoying. I may not want to hang with you. But that doesn't get away from love. And that doesn't get away from this care that this is a, a, a broken person. I, I, I'm able, after this retreat, I can see even greater the brokenness of humanity. And, and I can't blame somebody because, you know, you don't ask if somebody does a really bad deed you don't ask, why did this person do the bad, or, you know, how come this person did the bad deed? But what happened to this person that made them respond this way? Mm-hmm. And when we start thinking like that, we just start thinking very differently. You know, we start thinking we're not quite so judging and we're not quite so high minded. Mm-hmm. The retreat. Was the intent of the retreat? Every person that went there had a different, a different motive for being there. Yeah, but and there were and there were group, there were ceremonial group things. It's run by, it's not a Christian deal. It's run by shaman, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm, you know, I'm very Christian, but I'm very open to other approaches to God. Right. Um, everything gets filtered. Everything. Let's be clear. Everything gets filtered through the cross event. Mm-hmm. which is the death, resurrection, and ascension. You know, so I call the cross is made up of those three events. Mm-hmm. But 
everything is built on that. I believe everybody that has relationship with God has relationship with God through the mystery of the work of Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. So now whether the people believe that, understand that, agree with that, doesn't make a difference to me. It fits my theology. Right. So it's just, you know, I don't have to convince them of anything because one day we'll all know the truth when we come face to face with the divine. That's true. And you know, you know what's so unfortunate is knowing oneself's brokennesses is so freeing when we understand it's not just me, mm-hmm. it's the human condition. I'm just, you know, I'm just with everybody else. We all are like this. We're never and alone. I can't imagine at this time in your life how fulfilling it must be to sit on this board, to be participating in this, to be able to put your talents and your time into something this gratifying. Yeah, and, and I've, I've changed my role, Denise. I am, I'm no longer vice president of the board. Mm. Oh. I was vice president of the board. Um, boards and me just do not get along. <laughs> too much garbage, you know. I, I'm, a, I'm a, I, 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 I call it. I'm a GSF and a GSD, and you can replace the S. So, mm-hmm. I, I get stuff done, and mm-hmm. I figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. But change the S, and it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> but, uh, and and boards don't do that. Yeah. You know, boards just want more reports. But what I did is I changed my position with with the with the charity and that I am I maintain my position as vice president of Uganda because I have such you know, going two or three years for a period of five years, you know, you gain a pretty intense relationship, a good relationship with a lot of people there yeah. in Uganda. Yeah. Um, I do that. I am the executive coach, partner in thought to the CEO. I could not be a member of the board and be his coach. How can I be his boss and be his coach? Mm. It's a conflict of interest. So I resigned the board, and I'm in charge of strategic development. I have, I have a lot of those things going on in my brain. That's exciting. That's, yeah. So if people want to get to know Wells of Life, mm. what do, where should they go? Where can you point them in the direction? Is there a website? Is there some yes. way that they can get in touch with you if they want to be part of this and, or they want to learn more? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, a a website. Well, you do you have a do you have a link thing that you yeah, put we on? Yeah, we put a link up yeah, to our yeah, listeners. Yeah, it's wellsoflife.org. Okay. And it has everything about it. It says all our annual reports and everything we're doing and a lot of fundraising stuff in it. So be ready for that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's yeah. what that's that's the only way charities live. You know, there's there's two elements of charity. There is those that spend the money and those that get the money. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I'm really good at spending the money. Uh, I'm not very good at giving the money, but with my son, we're pr- getting the money. But with my son, we're pretty decent at giving. That's awesome. But but you know, going out and asking, you know, I'm not going to ask you guys for money. But it is think eight thousand dollars, one thousand people for fifteen to twenty years. Mm-hmm. You know, so you add That's that up, easy. and it's it it becomes. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand people because of the of the change of the population that you are you You're are making changing their lives. You're literally changing eight thousand dollars. It's such a small amount it, when you big picture it to see what that what then the return is on that. Like you're saying, tens and thousands of lives are affected just by a single well. It seems like it's such a solvable problem, and at the same time, it's so vast. You know, the UN wants to solve uh, 
water poverty by 2030. I just, you know, I think that's a very ambitious thought. Um, it, 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 it is a lot. Uh, and, and we also have another program where there are a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of drill and run. And remember, a well is a machine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a mechanic. Yeah. And it's got parts. Right. You know, it's got mm-hmm. mechanical parts, and mechanical parts break. But they run. They don't hang around. And so you just have this plethora of non-functional wells. Oh. And what we have is a well st- restoration project. And we've now restored, I believe, over 250 wells. Yeah. That we go, and that is half the price. If somebody wants to buy a restored well or fund, not buy, it's yeah. that that's the wrong word. Fund a restored well, sure. it's four thousand dollars, you and you're giving the same thing as a new well. Right? Are you training people there in Uganda to do that so that they can be self reliant and do that for themselves? Can't. They can't. It 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 it. We have a one little program that's difficult to explain, but it it takes. Three weeks to hand drill a well, and uh, it just and it doesn't. No, it doesn't work. We do ten at a time over a period of two weeks. Yeah, oh, wow. it's not efficient otherwise. Um, um, but you you know you bring up a good point, and we're very very aware of that. And and you know I, I can't remember the author's title, but you know perhaps you're familiar with the book that uh, how giving hurts. I've heard of it. And it creates it creates dependency. It's it's just a. It, it, it's furthering colonialism, mm. where it's it's producing a system that people depend on you. But what are you going to do? You're going to just say, okay, I'm not going to give. We're out. Yeah. I mean, what? At what point? You know, somebody give me an alternative, and I can get in there. I can't think of an alternative, and so we give. We have happy people, and we uh, we just bring water to the people who need it. Yeah. That's that's amazing. And there's a bunch. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunities. So people, if you're interested, go to Wells of Life. Org. Before you leave, we ask our guests to give us a takeaway gift uh, or a tag, something that our audience will remember you by and that we can remember you by. Do you have something for us today? <laughs> <laughs> I know what has happening. I see his brain moving and there's a lot in there he wants to share. So he's got to just narrow it down. Well, there's not always a lot in there. There's a lot in there I want to share, but also a lot that I can't articulate. Mm-hmm. My brain works so, it's so ineffably that I, I, I have these... Dumb it Deep down for all thoughts, of us. but I can't put them into yeah. words. So my first one sounds like a negative, but it's a good one. But it, it just the first time you told me, Denise, you told me this. This came to my mind instantly. And this is what I always tell our guests: the very first thing that comes to your mind usually is the one you should go with. Well, we'll go with that one. Then we're going to go with a backup okay. to make me look like a decent guy. <laughs> um, the first one is it's apocryphal. I don't know if Ernst Hemingway really wrote this. I think I've read differently, but it is apocryphally known as Ernst Hemingway's suicide note. Okay. And it is one life is one damn thing after another. That just so struck me because it is life. Mm-hmm. Every day is just one damn thing after another. Then, you know, you'll have a good day, but that day doesn't even last good the whole day. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of damn things that come in in that You're day. And it's a matter of dealing with that and working with that and understanding that that is part of the human condition and it's part of life in a very broken world with very broken people and hurting people and powerful people and abusive people and you know that 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 does help me a lot but it does it does because you know one does not escape 
the pathologies of one six-year-old self. Mm. One still is always looking for the shoe to drop or whatever they say that, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of sort of bipolar anxiety, depression, all this kind of stuff that goes on. But, I, but I've learned to function with it, you know, and I've, I've gotten help, I've gotten medication, you know, I've, I've really worked on that. Mm-hmm. So you, you said it was negative, and, and I really think that it wasn't a negative. I, I think, know you said that. I, I think mm-hmm. it's not negative because it is true. That, that, that sort of transitions us to my more positive this one. This is your second one. <laughs> yeah, which is actually, I have used this quote probably more than any other quote. When I was in seminary, there was a week-long lecture, and it was given by a man named Lanson Ross. I've looked him up. I can't find him. I don't know who he is. But, <laughs> but I never forget this quote. And his quote was, You are who you have been becoming. Every day is a choice, not only of what you do today, it's who you will be tomorrow. Love that. Every day is not just a choice of this day. It's a day of what you will do be tomorrow, and that's why we are in this process of um, becoming. I love it. Oh yeah, it's just, and and that that is that is probably if I had to put my my life statement, that would be it. Apart from a verse out of Psalms. Oh, what's your verse out of Psalms? I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, we can have. Three. Is it you your favorite? You'll be our first guest to have three tags. Well, I can't remember it. Oh. <laughs> It we'll goes it, it goes something like this the Lord will guide you, the Lord will give you wisdom, the Lord will watch over you. And I just I love the guiding and the wisdom. Mm-hmm. I'm into wisdom. And that that is just part of the Lord's job description is it to guide and give wisdom. And if, if we just depend on that, just rest in that. You know, we are mm-hmm. we, 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 we we act like unbelievers. Yes. You know, I mean, we really do. We really yeah. don't believe in the promises because we worry too damn much. Mm-hmm. We want you to check out Charlie's podcast. The next chapter with Charlie. And next you're on all the pl- platforms, I assume. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spotify, Apple, all those. You also have a blog. I have a blog. It's all at it's all at the next chapter dot life. You don't look up the next chapter with Charlie. It's the the URL is the next chapter dot L I F E. And I have a weekly blog and a weekly podcast. Love it. Charlie, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on and meeting you and uh Wow, I feel like we've got a lot to think about. Charlie, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure and check out Charlie's podcast as well. We're we're going to. Yeah, so we are. you should too. Uh, I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We're Two Average Girls. We'll see you next time. Episodes of Two Average Girls are free wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button on the Two Average Girls main page so you never have to go searching for new episodes. Our editor is Aiden Bloomstein. Our social media producer is Samantha Stone. And original music for Two Average Girls is by Jason Fries. <laughs>